Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 42 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 16th of May 2010, entitled God the Holy Spirit Part 6. The Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 21 and 37 to 47. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Scripture reading taken from the book of Acts chapter 2 going to begin reading in verse 1, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, And it set upon each of them. Verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia region, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. They were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if you skip with me down to verse 37 of this chapter. Now, when they heard this, after Peter's sermon is speaking of, now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, 
and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. With many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Father, we thank you again today as we have this wonderful privilege of being together in your house. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified and honored in all that takes place here today. Lord, that which is already gone, and now as we look into your word, Father, we pray for your anointing, for your touch. Lord, that man would not be seen nor heard, but that your word might be made alive, that the power of your spirit might speak to hearts that which is impossible for man to do. Lord, you know the need, you know each and every individual that is here today. We pray, Lord, that you would work in the hearts as only you can for your glory and your honor alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. We're up to sermon number 42 in our series, Back to It. We've been away from it for a while. And of course, as we began to look at the fundamentals of the faith, which we are to be contending for, we had made our way up into the, uh, the Holy Spirit. And of course, some fundamental things that we've already looked there and looking at some very important things uh, that uh, concerns the uh, the Holy Spirit that make a big difference to us, not only in our life, but in our church, and even where that we can, as believers, be in fellowship and be comfortable with that. Now, as we began to look at the uh, the teachings on the Holy Spirit, we've made our way through a, a number of things already. As we said, this is the uh, the sixth in this series. We We looked, first of all, at the promise of the Holy Spirit that the Lord Jesus Christ Himself made to us. And we look there, and especially John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, at this promise that was made of the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, secondly, we looked at the person of the Holy Spirit. And it's fundamentally important that we recognize Him as a person, uh, just as much God as any of the other two persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, making up our one God today. And then we began to look at, thirdly, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. What is His ministry all about? And of course, we, we listed a number of things there, which uh, uh, we'll review here just in a moment. But then we began, fourthly, to look at the practice of the Holy Spirit. And we looked for a couple of sermons. We uh, looked at the practice that relates to conversion, which is the, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we began looking at this other practice that relates to control, which is the filling of the Holy Spirit. And it's to 
there that we want to uh, return our attention today as we begin to look at the uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And of course, as we looked here already, we saw, first of all, that it was a command, uh, a command to be filled, a command that's been given to each and every one of us uh, as believers today to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And of course, we began looking secondly at the uh, control. And thirdly, today, as we think of the filling of the Holy Spirit, we move to the consequences of being filled. Um, if as Christians, we are obedient to God's command to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and if we, therefore, in doing that, are submitting ourselves totally and completely to His control, what is the result of that on the individual life? What is the result of that within our church? Well, as we begin by looking today, it would probably help us to remember, as I just mentioned, that we talked about the purposes for which Jesus Christ made His promises concerning the sending of the Holy Spirit. And we went through such things as the transferring of Christ's work, the tendency in the believer, the teaching of God's Word, the testifying of Christ, the transforming of sinners, the transmitting of all truth, and the targeting of Christ's glory and His alone. I summarized it this way. We said that according to Scripture, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is the advancement of the work of Christ through every believer, taking up permanent residence within that believer, teaching all things from God's perspective, giving understanding to God's Word, bringing to remembrance the things of Christ, testifying of Christ and His finished work through those believers, enabling them to be able to be effective witnesses for Christ, that through God's Word and through the very presence of Christ Himself, that it's the Spirit that will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, that the lost might be saved, that their lives might be transformed through the gospel, and then by guiding into all truth, give the only sure and safe guidance through this life and into the next, and always, in all things, bringing glory not to himself, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. A pretty thorough job description. He's a busy man. <laughs> and we find that as we we look at this ministry, the amazing thing is, is that it's the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to send to accomplish these things, he lives and dwells within the believer, that He's doing all the work, that what you and I have to do is to be obedient and submissive unto Him to let Him get on and do the things that only He can do anyway. We've seen that this being put into practice First of all, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which relates to our conversion. We've already looked at the consequences of the baptism of the Spirit. We, we listed out and summarized it in four things, that it includes every Christian, that it instantly occurs at every Christian's conversion, that it inducts every Christian into the church, into the, into the body of Christ, and that identifies every Christian with Christ personally. 
as we continue to look at the feeling of the Holy Spirit. Folks, the Lord hasn't changed his mind. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is still the same. Remember, the feeling of the Holy Spirit relates to control, God's control over our lives. That scares a lot of people because people don't like to be controlled. People naturally want their independence. They want to be able to do what I want to do and the way I want to do it and when I want to do it. But the filling of the Holy Spirit has to do with submitting yourself and God having complete control of your life. Now, if God truly has absolute control of our lives through the Holy Spirit, I ask you again, what are going to be the consequences of that in our lives? How's it going to affect us? We touched on this last week when we looked at Isaiah 64, and though that wasn't actually part of this series, it certainly relates. And we looked at the tremendous need in our lives as believers and in the life of the church for the presence of God, for the heavens to literally be be rent and for every one of us to know the presence of the very God of heaven, that he make his presence known amongst us. We saw that when God makes his presence known, things will happen. It will always change some things. To some degree, we've looked, if you would, at what should happen if God's purpose is being fulfilled through the work of the Holy Spirit. What I want us to do is look into Scripture today and see what did happen when the promise of the Spirit was fulfilled in God's people through the specific ministry of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, man has many things that he claims to be the result of either the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I certainly don't have time to get into reminding you of all the bad and the wrong things that are being taught. But as we've said, even many, many, many of those that undoubtedly are born again, they're on their way to heaven, they disagree over the ministry of what he does and what the consequences are of his doing it. The only place that we can go for certainty, of course, is God's Word. But then everybody claims that's what they're doing, and everybody claims that's where they're getting their teachings from. My advice once again, don't listen to man's claims. Don't listen to what man says that the Bible teaches, and that includes me. Go and search it out for yourself. I wouldn't want to sit in a church or under teaching somewhere very long if you took and you found that what he's saying from the front is not what you're seeing in God's Word. But when you stand before God one day, he's not going to judge you based upon what I told you. He's going to judge me based upon what I told you, but he's going to judge you upon his Word. So, folks, there is absolutely nothing, nowhere that you can go, that you can have the absolute assurance, though I hate to admit it, I can actually be wrong sometimes. Anybody, anybody know what it feels like to actually be wrong sometime in your life? 
Some of you, it's a struggle, I know. <laughs> but the truth is, we can. With, and we can be as genuine and we can be as sincere as we possibly can. I'm saying there is no one human being that's ever lived, that's ever lived. There's no man that's ever walked the face of this earth except for the Lord Jesus Christ when he took on flesh that you can have 100% confidence in to never be wrong, to always be right in everything that they say and in everything that they do. But we have God's Word, and that must be our standard and so today, as we look back, as we look into God's Word, our doctrines, those things that we teach to be the truth, as well as our experiences, there, folks, experiences are real. People experience things, and they know that it's real in their life. But I'm saying today that our doctrines and our experiences should be interpreted in light of God's Word rather than going to God's Word and interpreting His Word in light of our doctrines and our experiences. Well, I know this is true because so-and-so said it, or I know this is true because I experienced this, this is what happened to me, and therefore this is what God's Word must mean. Folks, there's too much today of the reversal. Our heart is deceitful above all things. <laughs> the fact is our emotions can be all over the place. And there's some of the things that we'll look at today as we look into God's Word that many would claim absolutely are the evidence, the proof, the consequence of being baptized and being filled in the Holy Spirit of God. I'm challenging you to look at God's Word. We don't worry about straightening them out. Based what you believe and what you know upon what God says, not upon what you've experienced, you know that you can go to many, many, many. And you can read about it. You can go find the books and you can read them. You can Google it, whatever you want. Folks, there are many tribes in the jungles that have never, ever, ever had anything to even the knowledge of our God before. That they can speak in tongues. They can do many of these miraculous things. Their, their witch doctors can perform all kind of miraculous things before their eyes, and yet it has absolutely nothing to do with the Holy Spirit of God. Be careful. That's all. And don't worry about trying to straighten the rest of the world. About Worry about staying in God's Word to where that you can be sure and stand upon the truth yourself. Today we're going to spend most of our time just reading some Scriptures. Why? Because I just want to give you God's Word. I want to show you exactly in God's Word what took place when people were filled with the Holy Spirits. God recorded them for us. And as we look at the consequences of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I've stated to you the importance for a believer to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Well, number one, because it's commanded if there was no other reason for it. But how important is it? Well, first of all, it's pretty important if God does command it of us. He doesn't really ask us to do this if you want to. This would be a good thing for you. He does tell us some things in the Bible that this would be a good thing if you did this. But when he commands us, we only have two options. We can either obey or we can disobey. And there is no other way. That's it. We find that as we look today, we know that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, 
I mean, they're all equally God. And so, in fact, to have one is to have all of them. You don't have a, a little bit of God. You've either got God or you don't have God. We find that in the light of that fact, God still goes to the trouble in His Word to point out a very important and interesting fact in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me, first of all, back to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Now, this should be a familiar reading to most of you. Notice what he says beginning in verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him, all oh, the kingdom of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt not worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou worship. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. He brought him to Jerusalem and sent him, set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. When the devil had ended all the temptation... He departed from him for a season. Listen. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a lame of him through all, uh, a fame of him through all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Note that Jesus, he went into the wilderness, into this temptation being led of the Spirit, full of the Spirit. And the Bible says he returned to it in the power of the Spirit. How important is the filling of the Holy Spirit? Well, I would say if it was important enough for God to point it out in the life of Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ needed to be full of the Spirit, and if it was the power of the Spirit that got him through, then that should tell us something pretty significant. Now, all of the other instances in the Word of God where God specifically declares someone to be filled with or or, or full of the Holy Spirit are found in the book of Acts. We find that that's where we read earlier the fulfillment of that promise that Jesus had made to send the Holy Spirit, which did take place on the day of Pentecost. And as we begin to look back there, I want you to notice some things. Go back to us again to Acts chapter 2. 
You see, in these first 13 verses here, we find what I'm simply calling the consequences on Pentecost. What happened on the day of Pentecost? We could spend a lot of time here, folks, but I want you to notice, look at what the Word of God says happened. First of all, we know that God's people, they were all there. The Bible says they were all with one accord. They were in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Keep in mind, you know, in the first place, we need to be careful. Don't try to put God in some kind of a little box that feels comfortable and fits neatly on our shelf. God doesn't always do the things the way we expected them. This was an unusual thing when they were sitting there and suddenly the Bible says there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it set upon each of them. And then the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now that's been taken all over the place. But the Word of God, is simply saying that all those that were present that day, Jesus had told them to tarry until this promise was fulfilled. The truth is, is that when the Holy Spirit came that day, He came in a very unusual way. But what took place was the filling of the Spirit. And what your Bible says there is that they began to speak with other, literally, languages. They began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance, it was something that the Holy Spirit was doing through them. The Holy Spirit was speaking them. Now, we know that as we look, the Bible goes through and He tells us that there were Jews, devout men, that out of every nation under heaven began to, notice verse 6, and when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because, what does it say? Every man heard them speak in his own language. I'm, I'm not. A, I've got a lot of good brothers and sisters in Christ that that believe this tongues here is something totally different. But I'm saying, just look at what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit filled them that day. The Bible says they begin to speak in languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. But folks, there's nothing there that is some out of this world language. The Bible says the thing, the miracle was that they all heard in their own language, and they were all Galileans. <laughs> and yet, as they were speaking. They come from all over the world, and he goes to the trouble to go through and to list all these places that they, that they were there, that they were gathered from, all these different languages that they would have been speaking. And how in the world, he says, how we, every man, how do we hear in our own tongue, in our own language, wherein we were born? What's going on here? And of course, the Bible said in verse 12, they were amazed. They were in doubt, saying one to another, what, what meaneth this? What in the world does this mean? And, of course, that's when they began to accuse some of them for being drunk. Well, I'm not real sure how that uh, being drunk, apparently, well, this is unusual, you know. Well, I, I'm not real sure what being drunk would have to do with them hearing them talk in their own language and all of that. But, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're just shocked this doesn't make any sense to them. Now, I challenge you once again. There are many that go to this passage to say that the proof of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues, which they believe is some heavenly language. Well, I'm just saying, look at what God's Word says. 
They spoke in languages that they had not learned, that the Holy Spirit was speaking to them, and everybody there from all over the world were able to hear and understand for themselves exactly what was being said in the very language, in the very tongue that they had been born in. We find that the consequences on the day of Pentecost, as they were all filled there, that what really happened, men from all over the world, we're able to hear the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. That's the miracle of the day of Pentecost. That's the miracle of the tongues. That's the miracle of them being able to speak languages that, that were not learned languages themselves, that, that the Spirit gave them utterance, not to prove anything. But that men were able to hear the preaching and the teaching of God's Word in their own language. Notice the specific consequences still on the day of Pentecost, but the consequences on Peter. Notice what he says as he picks up in verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For well, these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour, literally nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He goes on and he spells out the prophecy that was given. And, of course, we know that many of these prophecies, the Old Testament, some were fulfilled at the first advent of the Lord Jesus Christ and some of them at the second. Look on down at verse 21, what it says there. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, Peter's sermon continues, and you can read on down through there, but we don't have time this morning, but Pick back up with me in verse 37. Remember, day of Pentecost, they've all just been filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter stands up and said, I know you don't understand what's going on, but I want to tell you, you know, this is not something like you think. They're not, they're not drunk. This is not some weird thing that they've brought upon themselves. This is exactly what God told us in the Old Testament was going to happen by the prophet of Joel. You're seeing Scripture fulfilled before your eyes. And he goes on in verse 37. Now, when they heard this, what? When he preached his sermon that you can read there. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Again, what happened? They all heard the gospel. <laughs> they heard Peter preaching unto the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And they said, What shall we do Peter says in verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent. Turn from your sins and turn to God. Identify yourself with God through baptism. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit as well. The same thing that's been happening here today. He can be part of your life. He says what? Notice, I love this, folks. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And many would take and they'd go back and they'd, they would use this to say that what was happening in the languages was something that it was still a promise. The gift of the Holy Ghost is what the promise was. And the gift of the Holy Ghost is what is still going to be a promise down through the ages. The consequences that took place on the day of Pentecost, yes, God could do that anytime He want to. But not so that He can prove what a spiritual person that you are because you can speak in some language that nobody in this world knows what you're saying. 
we find that the promises for God's gift of the Holy Spirit, if He chooses to use you to, to speak to someone else in a, in a language that you haven't learned, folks, that wouldn't shock me. <laughs> I'd say, praise God. <laughs> you know, if, if God used you to speak that the gospel could be given, that somebody could be one to Christ, and He gave you the ability to do that, I wouldn't doubt it for a minute what took place on the day of Pentecost. That's fulfilling the purposes that we've looked at for what Jesus said that He was sending the Holy Spirit for. We find that it says in verse 40, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. The consequences. The consequences on the day of Pentecost, the consequences on Peter. Notice here in verse 42, he also shares with us there were other people there that day. What were the consequences on the people? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Somebody was asking me earlier, and I'm going to say it, and some of you will think I'm mean, but that's all right. You think it anyway. Listen, I'll tell you what I see happening to the people here. First of all, I see a oneness. <laughs> I see a fellowship of people that, that have come together here. The Bible says they continue steadfastly in the doctrines, the apostles' doctrines, the doctrines that, that are those doctrines that we said that we are to be contending for, that faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. The breaking of bread was a term that was a fellowship. Like, you know, you have me over for dinner, and I'll come over to yours for dinner. It was a term. They were going into each other's home, and they were, they were having meals with each other. They were praying together. And we find that Again, we find that the Bible clearly points out how the one accord was with them and how that they were, they were happy and they were in singleness of heart. And, boy, I mean, if somebody else had a need, they, you know, it wasn't what can I have and what can I build for me. It's, it's giving, and it wasn't because they were having to be taxed through the roof so that the government could manage giving it to somebody else. It was because in their Christian love, when they were filled with the Spirit, they wanted to be able to help others. They wanted to be able to share with those that had need. It was a natural reaction to being filled with the Holy Spirit, the consequences on these people. I want you to notice, and time is running, and, and, and we need to read real fast here, not only the consequences on Pentecost, on Peter and the people, but the consequences during the persecutions. Notice in Acts chapter 4, and as they spake unto the people, the priests and captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of them was about 5,000. It came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John the, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, But what power, by what name have you done this? Folks, I want to tell you something. When it's God that's working through somebody, 
we find here that again, the purpose is being fulfilled. People are being saved by the thousands. And that's upsetting the rulers. That's upsetting the world. And they're figuring out what in the world is going on here. Who are you doing this? Who's, whose name are you doing? Then Peter, what was wrong with him? Filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of Israel and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which it became the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, didn't make sense that they knew all this stuff. They marveled and they took knowledge of them and they, they had been with Jesus. Beholding a man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. When they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth no more in this name. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. We find that as we look here, again, Everything that took place, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I mean, they were out there preaching. And because of that, the persecutions began to come as the apostles were proclaiming under, the, under that power. And it actually brought persecutions on them. We find that as they stood there, though, that boldness. You know, the only thing that mattered was to be right with God. Didn't matter what men said. Didn't matter what men wanted. Being right with God, that was what they were going to do. And that's where they were willing to stand. Peter said they couldn't do anything else. <laughs> there wasn't any choice in the matter. So we find that there on the persecutions that began, it had an effect on these people. Now we can read on down in this chapter. Notice it picks up in verse 23. He says, And being let go, they went to their own company, Peter and John. They went back to the, to, to the other believers and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, 
Behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, this was all their prayer. I've just read you the prayer that they were praying. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Folks, what do we see taking place here? I mean, this was the time. Now the persecutions were coming. All the government turned against them. They were trying to put a stop to what was going on, and yet God's people are coming together, and they're stronger, and they're proclaiming the Word of God with boldness. And again, we see this common, folks. This is not, it's not communism. It's not communism where you're being made to give everything to somebody that calls themselves the government so that they can distribute it as they see fit. Now, this is Christianity. This is where that we esteem others better than ourselves. This is where those that because of these people, their lives were being filled. They were under the control of God. They were controlled by the Holy Spirit, not by their selfish motives, not by their fleshly motives. And it was their desire when they saw someone else in need to be able to help, to be able to, to do something about it. That doesn't come natural. That's not what's going to be the reaction of your flesh. But when God is in control, it comes natural with God. And it's amazing how natural it can come for you when he's the one that's in control. So we see it has the consequences here on, on Peter and John before the, the, the high priest and the, uh, the council there on the people's prayers, on the people's possessions. And I'm going to have to stop. <laughs> and if we go on. We'll look at this later. We find as we look into chapter 6, also under these persecutions, it has an effect on the people's problems, how they handle things within the church itself. Oh, what an effect it has on the prosecuting of Stephen, the effects that come from that, and the effects that that has on the life of one called Saul that later becomes the apostle Paul, and the consequences that it has on his life. And we'll come back to those things. Folks, I want you to understand something today. You know, I don't claim to have all the answers. I don't even claim to understand all that God does, does and, and the way that he does things. But what I want to challenge you today, you see, an honest confession is good for the soul. There was a time in my early ministry when I looked at a lot of these things in the wrong light. Why? Because even though I'd been taught differently, I was, I was hungry 
for the presence of God in my life. I wanted God to make a difference, and I wanted it to be real. And I still believe today that many times as Christians, we just kind of box him in so that we feel comfortable. It's not always comfortable when God comes into our presence. And it's not always comfortable the way that he chooses to do things. But he'll never violate Scripture. And when he does things, he does them for a reason. And it's not to somehow so that you can have a good time or you can show how spiritual that you are. The truth is, he's told us the purposes for the Holy Spirit. And what I'm challenging and what we'll continue to see is that in every instance in Scripture, when a person, first of all, it always comes back to the gospel. None of this matters until you're willing to repent, admit yourself that you're a sinner. Yes, get on your face, on your knees before God, recognize that you're a sinner, cry out for mercy that God would forgive you, not because of how good you can become or what you can do or what you have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has already done for you. He accomplished it all, and that's where it will always begin. And that's when the Holy Spirit, that gift, that promise will first take place. He's the one. He's the only one that can convict you and show you that you're a sinner. He'll do that transforming work in your life that we saw. Then he'll baptize you into the body of Christ. But what we see here as we've seen, as we begin looking at this, this process of being filled with the Holy Spirit, that's not something that's automatic with believers. It's a continuing process in our lives. And as we do it, God will change us. There'll be consequences that'll come from it if God is truly, genuinely in control. I've asked you this question a couple times over the last few weeks. How many of us really, really want God in control? How many of us really want to give ourselves to God, lock, stock, and barrel, whatever He wants to do, however He wants to do it? What difference can your life make in this world? Well, I can promise you this. It might make a difference to you and the people around you, but it'll never make a difference to God as long as you're in control of it. Do you want your life to be what you make it? Or do you want God to do with you? Who wasn't one of the great men of old. Pastor Iverson, maybe you remember who it was. I'm thinking it's one of the missionaries that went off that said that we'd never truly seen what God could do to a world with one man that was truly, genuinely, completely sold out to God. What could God do with our lives? I believe with all my heart, you need, you need desperately, as I need, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need God in control. And oh my, oh my, He will. Folks, he will. They thought, man, there ain't no way. <laughs> These guys ain't been to college. They ain't been to uni. They definitely ain't been to seminary. They ain't been to nothing. This is a bunch of fishermen and stuff. How do they know all this stuff? God used all kinds in the New Testament. <laughs> some of them came from nothing backgrounds, and some of them from, came from positions of really high positions. But God used them all, and God will use you. My challenge to you today is, Christians, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of some of these terms because that they're being abused by others. Don't be afraid to read the Scriptures and let them say what they say for themselves, not what others are making them say. You do need this work in your life. You need God to be working in your life daily. 
we'll continue to look at some more passages because the one thing that I want you to make clear is that when you leave, when you begin to consider what the Holy Spirit does, is it based upon clearly what the Word of God says, or is it based upon men's ideas and man's opinions? Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to sing our closing hymn here literally in just a moment. The song that we're going to sing for our closing hymn simply says, take time to be holy. We want to encourage you here today. First of all and foremost, that if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, why would you want to leave here in that condition? Now, I'm not real concerned today in the formulas We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. We invite you to come during this hymn, and someone will go aside and talk with you. Nobody's going to twist your arm. If you've got questions, you want to pray with someone, if you want to come see us following the service, that's fine. The thing that I want you to realize is this. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. Because if you're not careful, it's the devil that wants you to walk right back out those doors in the same condition that you came you're here in lost today, we want to invite you to be saved before you leave. Christians, I want you to understand the importance of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to understand, and as we go through this, I want you to apply what the Word of God says. I want you to understand these things that were happening. They were happening because people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Does God have control of your life today? Nobody can give it to Him but you. He won't just take it. Oh, he'll, he'll bring things into your life, and he'll bend you, and he'll mold you, and there's a process that you're going to go through. One day you will be conformed into the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the question is today, are you willing to truly submit? I mean, you know all the Christian language. Are you willing to commit yourself truly into God's hands? Let God do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, Whether or not it makes sense to you and those around you, that's not the question. Will you let God do as He alone wills for you? Father, you know the hearts of each one here today. We pray now that as we sing this closing hymn, Lord, that if there be anyone here that's lost that needs to be saved, that you would work in their hearts. Lord, I can only pray that you would take these simple words. We know that we didn't get through all of the message. The Lord helping people to realize that there are consequences when you come and when your presence is known and when you take control of a life, Lord, these are the things that we can see happen and they're the very purposes that we've looked at that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was coming in the first place. Those are the purposes we see fulfilled when we know that people have had this promise become a reality in their lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen.